Hey, hey, everybody. That is the truth. I was the um, vocal director for the first 11 years of the church and then transitioned. I'm not going to sit. I can't sit. I'm too. Um, And so just, and was Chris's assistant. And I just decided I might want to let something go when we got, kept getting bigger and bigger. I mean, you can't do everything right. So um, anyway, so yeah, that's true. How was that? So I'm so honored to be here with you all. And I see some familiar faces out there and a lot of new faces. And um, yeah, it is true. I'm Chris's, hey, I'm Chris's sister. Like, she's familiar. Um, Chris's sister. And we moved here in July of 2001. So I've been his assistant since 2002. So that's a long time, 17 years. And um, it's been a great journey, having a blast. My background, just a little bit before that, is... um, in the legal field. So I worked for a lot of attorneys most of my life. And so this was quite different when I came to work for a church, but I was able to use some of those um, skills and all of that in in this as well. So um, again, just honored to be here. Um, I'm going to get right to it. So, and try to leave some room at the end for Q&A. So, because I really want to talk about what you need and what you want to talk about. And, um, but hopefully I'll touch on some of that at the first part of this. So here we go. All right. Just a little overview and um, just wanted to make sure, you know, everybody's role as a pastoral assistant or an executive assistant admin is different based on the pastor, based on just the circumstances. So for me, um, I... I don't do as many personal things as things more in the on the business admin side just because Tammy is not super Chris's wife is not super involved in the day in and day out of the church. So everybody so I'm going to tell you some of my practices but they might be a little bit different for you but that's okay. You know, everybody's got their different roles, but I just wanted to to say that at the top, you know, both are great, but mine just looks a little different. I'm I'm more on the executive admin, whatever side, than the personal side. But happy to answer any of those questions because I certainly have to do some of that too. I think we all do in whatever role that we're in, have to help handle some of that as well. Um, so I'm going to give you what works for me. And I am I mean, I'm a little old school, not because I like to not move with technology and I mean, all of that. It's just I do what works for me and what works for Chris and what we're used to and and just kind of stick with that. So um, anyway, but first I want to touch on a little bit is um, just my heart for this job, you know, because I think that plays such a huge part in it. I mean, I am called to Chris Hodges. Of course, I'm called to be a Christian and to the Lord and to Church of the Highlands. But at the end of the day, I am called to serve Him. And that really helps me be able to do well in my job. And especially as a sister, to be able to um, keep a good perspective and a good attitude towards that, you know. Um, I was telling some girls earlier we met and I one thing I try to keep on the forefront of my mind is just the weight that a senior pastor carries in in what he does. You know, I, I know what I carry just for him, but I triple or, or quadruple that is what they carry spiritually and just in their mind and business and all of that. So I try to keep that in mind when I'm, you know, doing certain things and might have an attitude about it or whatever, just kind of keep that whole perspective. And it helps me a lot, honestly, it really does. So just keep that weight in mind and try to remember to take things off their plate. Um, I have to remind myself of my purpose and my calling frequently to kind of make it through some of those. You know, if you ever feel drained or or 
the grace, I call it the grace is lifted where I feel like I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm super transparent people. So here we go. You never know what you might hear out of this mouth. They were recording me earlier. I'm like, are you kidding me? Y'all could use this against me. But anyway, um, but yeah, I just remind myself of my purpose and my calling all the time when I feel like I can't do this anymore. So that's a good thing to do. And, you know, I'm going to get off the spiritual. But I just want to say one thing. I'm going to get more to the practical, but you know, we have to be filled up on our own. Sometimes when you work on a, in a church, you kind of let what you do be your relationship with the Lord instead of your own personal relationship with the Lord. And honestly, you can't really do what you do unless you have a personal relationship with the Lord. So just be careful of that because I've been caught, I mean, I've been doing this 17 years. I've been in that before where I'm like, you know what? I'm just showing up for church and for work and I'm letting that be my relationship with the Lord. And it just, it doesn't work that way, or at least not for very long. All right, so a few little responsibilities, just, um, I'm just gonna touch on some because I can't go through everything that I have, but um, wanted to give you a couple of these. Number one is, some of you have been in my round tables and stuff before, so you're gonna hear some of the same stuff, but number one is thinking is the most critical responsibility. And what I mean by that is I had an opportunity to um, interview someone, if you will, that uh, is an executive. She actually is John Maxwell's assistant of 30 plus years. So I figure she probably knows what she's talking about. Because we're kind of encouraged as a staff to um, learn from others and grow and not just stay in your same you know, rut of what you do, but is there a better way to do things? So I interviewed her and I asked her the question, um, you know, what do you think? I'm sure we ask people this when we're interviewing them. What do you think is the most beneficial thing you do for John that helps him the most? And she said, um, well, I think he would say that I don't pay her for what he do- what she does. I pay her for her ability to think through the things that will affect me. And so I think through that. I think through that filter with Chris. It's like, how will this affect him? How will this, you know, even we had a situation this morning um, where I walked in and I'm going to just tell you all this story, but anyway, just hang on. So I walked, I walked in, I'm like, God, it's hot. Like it is in here, hot in this green room. You know, I'm like, so I'm like, I don't want him to walk in and feel hot. You know, you're just trying to navigate everything. So I'm like trying to turn on the air, won't turn down. I'm like, why won't it turn down? Why won't the air turn down? You know, just kind of freaking out. But anyway, not really. But anyway, sure enough, so I tried to solve it, you know, think through the things that are going to affect him but it had been locked and you couldn't lower it. Well, it, it got unlocked. Let me just <laughs> so, anyway, it's all good. But, but that, those kind of things, you know, the environment, the, the, the meeting, the um, think through the things, how is this, you know, going to affect him when he walks in on Sunday morning and, you know, there's crumbs all over the green room floor. I mean, how is that going to affect him? Well, it's going to take his focus off of his message, and he's going to be like, why in the floor clean? You know, that kind of thing. And I know that's a simple um, little example, but it's just true. You know, and, and even bigger things, you know, um, an email or, you know, however you respond to someone. You know, we have to keep that in mind or how well we do our job. Number two, be proactive and te- anticipate what needs to be done. 
So a lot of times we tend to focus on just the now, like we're in art conference and I'm pretty focused on art conference because it's a pretty big deal, but I can't just stay focused on art conference because he's traveling next week or there's this or there's that, you know, so you, you have to focus on the now and focus on the future. And the best way you do that, for me at least, is to just a lot times to do things. So like I was totally focused on Chris and what was going on in the green room and ARC and whatever up until about 1.30. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go up to my office at 1.30, answer some emails. You know, I'm, I'm staying ahead. I'm still staying on. I couldn't just say, well, I want to just party back here with the you know, friends or whatever. No, I need to go stay ahead of what's next and not just focus on what's now. So number three, strive to make their life easier. And this kind of goes with that um, that whole keeping the perspective on what the weight that is that they carry, you know, um, and my sense of urgency. You know, when Chris texts me or emails me, it's an immediate response. It's not a, oh, well, you know, I'll get to that answer after I finish my tennis match or whatever. No, it's like I wear this Apple Watch for a reason. Uh, and I know some of this is going to sound like, um, well, gosh, you know, I mean, Is he that demanding? It's not that. He's not even demanding. But I just want to be available (laughs) just in case, you know, um, because I don't want him thinking about things that he might need to uh, offload his brain. So this is a beautiful thing, too, just on a side note. I love it because I can be cleaning my house or playing tennis or whatever. And if it buzzes, I can look down. And if it's not him, it's like everybody else can wait. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I'm really not kidding, but anyway... (laughs) But but I don't want him to wait, and it's not because I think he's you know, he's a diva or he's demanding or he's any of these things. It's all in a in an effort to take something off of his mind. If he's thinking about it and he has a question about it, I want to just answer it so he can move on, you know? And maybe he's working on his message for Sunday. I don't know, but I don't want to be a cog in the wheel from him moving forward to doing that. Um, so it's a little bit of a sense of, sense of urgency that I try to maintain. Um, and um, back to the weight, I'm going to give you a little example of that. So Chris is notorious for being in an airport, and he he's a weather watcher. So he's like, you know, checking the weather three days before he leaves for his flight, wondering if it's going to get canceled. I mean, he's just that kind of, you know, just thinks ahead and whatever. And I mean, I walk outside, I'm like, okay, it's raining. Okay, well, here we go. You know, I'm just not a weather watcher, but um, he is. And so it's many times, you know, he'll be you know, traveling and he'll feel like potentially there's a remote chance that he could miss his flight. <laughs> and he wants me to back him up on all the other flights just in case he might miss his flight. So I'm like, oh, okay, or whatever, you know. Okay, so, you know, I'll do it or whatever. And then sometimes, you know, he'll be in an airport and he's like, okay, I've missed my flight. I need to be booked on another flight. And, and literally he's sitting in the, in, in the airport, in the concourse, looking at the Delta agent and calls me to call the Delta agent to ask to get on the next slide. And I'm like, I don't say this, but I'm thinking, you're looking at her. And then one day, and I don't want to sound like I'm angelic or anything, but one day it kind of dawned on me. You know what? I thought, you know, he has been traveling for two weeks. He's probably spoken 10 times. 
he probably just doesn't feel like having the interaction with the Delta agent. And he wants me to have the interaction. And my whole perspective changed on that, you know, and, and it made me gladly then call the Delta. Do you see the difference? It's just like, I get it. It just all of a sudden I got it. It's like he doesn't want to talk to her. That's why he didn't do it and got me to do it. So just keeping that kind of perspective can help you when you feel like things are dumb that you have to do or or why didn't he do it or whatever. Well, maybe that's why, you know, and so that's, I'm just telling you what's helped me. Um, number four, I think I'm on. Do things with excellence. Don't be satisfied with mediocrity or the good enough feeling, you know. I'm going to get into this a little bit later. But um, just always take things to the next level. Like, you know, we could just send an email out that might not be perfect. Or or we could just send it to half the email so that, because the other half probably aren't put in right. No. We fix it and we make it better and we do it, you know, over and above what it could be done. So do things excellently. Again, I'm going to touch on that because I'm really passionate about the whole excellence things. We were we were raised in a family that was very excellent. My dad was a legislative auditor for the state of Louisiana and everything was pristine and I mean eyes dotted T's cross I mean I had to vacuum every day so you could see the 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 marks in the carpet. I mean it was I was raised in that kind of you had to shut the door like this, not pull it shut. I mean just we were raised very thankful for that upbringing because it made me so much more detailed and so much more excellent in everything that I do. So I'm really thankful for it. I'm not complaining by saying that. So all right, so um, the next one, number five, I think it is stay organized. And I know that's kind of generic, stay organized. And I think organization is different for everybody, kind of. You know, I mean, I think you have to set up a system that works for you. You know, for me, it's scheduling time to work on certain things. Now, that doesn't always work out, but at least it's what I'm starting out to do. I mean, like, knowing that I need to work on travel one day or knowing that I need to work on this for ARC or whatever it is and scheduling time to do that versus just showing up at the office and like when I get to it, I get to it. Because I just, I won't, I'll get so ADD and so distracted that I'll end up doing everything but that. So stay organized. Um, We'll touch on that a little bit later too. And then um, the last one, and I feel, oh no, it's not the last one. But this is a real important responsibility, and that is protect them. And that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean physically or, I mean, I guess it could in some ways, I don't know, but if you want to dodge a bullet for them or something, no, I'm just kidding. But no, but protect their time. Protect um, them from maybe someone that's disgruntled or not very happy or, you know, be the buffer with people or or whatever you can do. You know, I'm real, I almost protect Chris to a fault. I mean, like I will go through lengths to not have to tell him about a situation or whatever, if I can at all, you know, resolve it at all. You know, and sometimes he's like, you just need to tell me, you know, I just need to be a part of this stuff, you know, but I just know again what what all he has going on and what he carries. So I try to protect him as much as possible. But I think that's a good heart to have, you know, just to protect him, them. Um, I don't know what number I'm on, but... Um, okay, yeah, seven. So <laughs> oh, I think these are all... Actually, that was the last one. So we're on six. And these are all under six because I flipped the page. I'm like, 
So anyway, I feel like that's one of my main responsibilities to protect. And so again, back to the thinking, protect him from having to dwell on things that, you know, he shouldn't be thinking about. Like, I'll give you an example of this. So, I mean, because I like that and y'all might like this too, but I'm not a micromanager, but I do like to be able to check things off my brain because if I don't know something's handled or something's done, I'll lay in bed at night and I think about it. So like, for instance, Chris is releasing a book next week. So uh, I'm at the end of about six months of (laughs) keeping my head above the water. Those of you that have pastors that have released books, you know what I mean. But anyway, yeah, it's just insane. But um, fun, but insane. Well, we had basically been working on a project that me and the team, the creative team, to create a Dropbox folder with just pictures and a video and things that people that wanted to help, you know, put the book out on social media or whatever, just give them tools and resources to do that. So I've been working on this. I'm, I was in like the Dominican Republic two weeks ago, walking on the beach on my phone, looking for service anywhere to, to, to deal with this particular thing, among other things. But I don't always do that too, just so you know. I do have a vacation every now and then. But, um, but that particular week wasn't one. Um, anyway, so I'm, you know, I'm like, I knew that they had taken the pictures and stuff, and I just not heard anything. Well, I mean, it releases next week. So I'm laying in bed last night, and I'm like, I wake up. Oh, my goodness. You know, where's the Dropbox? And did Chris get it? And I hope he didn't ask me about it because I don't want to have to tell him I don't know. You know, I just saw these things. I mean, you know how at night, like, it's worse than it is if you're, like, fully awake, you know? I mean, it was the end of the world last night. This morning when I woke up, I'm like, well, it's fine, Carol. It's all good. But, you know, I I texted the—or I talked to one of the team. I'm like, is this done? Well, it had been done, like, two days ago. They just didn't send it to me. They sent it straight to him. We fixed that, (laughs) but—but number two, now I can check it off my brain. So I want to do the same for him. That's the point, (laughs) is I want to do the same for him. I don't want him laying in bed at night wondering if I handled something. I want to just let him know it's done, you know, move on. Um, And just always think of ways you can take the load off. Okay, we're going to get off of that and move on to um, time management and organization. So one of the things I started doing a few years back, and I don't succeed at it every day, but at least on Mondays, I do pretty well with this. And that is, I read a blog and it suggested that, um, well, first of all, it asked the question um, at the beginning of it, which I don't read a lot of blogs, so everybody's going to be emailing me, what blogs do you read? I don't. I just happen happen across this one. And anyway, but it asked the question, what's the first thing you do when you get to your office? You sit down at your desk. What What do you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not a trick question. Open your email, answer your voicemails. Okay, so what that does is, what what this blog suggested that does is it allows you to be controlled by, like, it's controlling your time. The people on the other end of that email are, are directing your day because you've allowed that by opening your email. Okay, well, they need this. And instead of, what do I need to accomplish? Or what does Chris need me to accomplish for today? So the way I fix that or that this blog helped me is I sit down. The first thing I do now at my desk, at least on a Monday, is have a planning session with myself. I'm like, okay, what do I need to accomplish today? 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be 
an hour long, just 10 minutes just to think for a minute before everybody starts demanding things from you and needing things from you. What do I need to accomplish? And then I either make a list or and maybe it is emails. Maybe, okay, I've got 500 in my inbox and I need to accomplish that. You know, maybe that is on the list, but whatever it is, figure that out. Start with those and then finish letting everybody direct your day. So it's really helped me a lot because I, I, it was getting out of control because obviously my emails are out of control. But um, yeah, start and then start your day. Let me take a sip. I feel like I'm talking so fast. I probably am. I will. It's me. Whatever. <clears throat> start your day with the things that require the most mental energy. So, you know, I, I used to like kind of finish with that because I would let my emails direct my day. But now I can actually put the most and for some people, maybe it is at the end of the day, but whenever that is for you, where you have the most mental energy, use that time to do the hardest things, the things that require, like if you have to write an email or if you have to, you know, write a letter or if you, you know, whatever it is, it's for me, that takes a lot of mental energy. I'm like sitting there looking at the page going, I don't even know what to say. But, um, you know, whatever it is, put it, put it in that part of your day. And then another way I stay more productive, but this is for me because I'm a little ADD. I can be a little distracted by just the littlest things. It's funny because I play tennis on the side. It's one of my loves. And um, if I'm in the center, if I'm in the court in the center and there's two people playing on each side of me, I mean, literally, I can hardly play because I'm watching them play. You know, I mean, but that's me. I'm just so distracted. So I have to stay off of social media. When I'm at work, I don't, I mean, I can't because I'm just drawn into what people are doing, what people are saying. I try not to respond to texts, which honestly, one of my pet peeves is when people don't respond to my texts in a timely manner, just so you know. No, I'm just kidding. So if you text me, no. But I, I, I will in a timely manner, but I might wait a little bit before I jump right into it, unless it's Chris. And so I have to be careful with that. And then if I'm working on something else, and I think of something else. How many of you just are drawn to that thought then? Okay, like I'm working all in travel. I'm doing so great, getting a lot of accomplished. And then something, will, oh wait, I forgot to send the publisher, the blah, blah, blah. And then I'm trailing off on that. So I try not to do that anymore. I have sticky notes all over my desk. So what I'll do is just put a sticky note, write down what I thought and get back to that later. So finish my travel, go to that later. I know some of this sounds so elementary and and if, you know, if it is, it's just a reminder then for all of us to, to, um, to do these things. Um, yeah, and just try not to indulge in your curiosity when you really need to, to think. And I know some of you work in environments where there's lots of people around, so you kind of have to get creative of how, you know, you block that out and focus. If some of you have flexibility to stay at home and work for a little while, I'll do that a lot. Like I'll stay home for one hour more knock out a bunch of stuff and then come to the office because then there's demands, you know, on my time and, and all of that. All right. Um, and still on time management and organization is set up systems that work for you. Like I was saying in the beginning, you know, I remember, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things, apps and, you know, Google Docs. And so you have to just pick what works for your pastor and you. I mean, Chris is not going to use Google Docs. It doesn't matter how many times we send him a Google Doc. He's going to say, I don't want to use a Google Doc. So guess what? We don't use them. We use Word when we send stuff to Chris. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to, 
you know, try to get him to switch. Well, I want him to be comfortable in whatever, you know, he he's comfortable in. But then I will with the team, you know, whatever team's working on, you know, but find what that what that is for you. And then be willing to make adjustments along the way in your job. I mean, we cannot, I don't function the same way now that I did 10 years ago. You know, I mean, I have different responsibilities Chris has different responsibilities, and just be willing. I was telling the girls earlier that I talked to, to to just adjust and change the way you do things if you need to, and then hold everything very loosely in your hands. Don't clench on things. Be willing to let go of some things if you need to. I am probably, I mean, I am so passionate about worship. I mean, Rhett can probably attest to that. Just, I love it, and so... For me to let go of that, you know, however many years ago that was, probably six or seven years ago, was hard. But be willing to, and then God's always going to fill that with something else, always, and more than you even, and so hold things loosely, and um, yeah, and make adjustments along the way. Um, And then I'll just touch on this, but you know, there's always three things you can do with a task. Three things you could do. I'm like, wait, that's not three things. Okay. So if if the task will take you three minutes or less to do it, just do it. Try not to procrastinate. It was funny when I went to my desk just now, um, before I came in here and looked at a couple emails, someone who's here that wants to connect with Chris emailed me. Well, I could have been like, I'll do that later. I'll email him later. I'm like, I know the answer. Why not just email him right now? It'll take me five seconds to just send what I need. Sent the thing, and, and his response back to me was, wow. That was so fast. I'm like, for, for me, it's like, yeah, it was fast. But for me, it's I get that out of my inbox. You know, can I get an amen? It's an email out of my inbox. And so why? Why do we do that? And I do it sometimes too. I'm like, okay, I know the answer, but I'll get to that in a minute. No, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer it real quick. So sometimes you might get an email back from me, and it's just the answer. It's not a lot of fluff, but that's just because I'm I'm nice. But I'm like, here's your answer. Love you. Carol. Okay. So, I mean, I got stuff to do. Y'all too, right? So if you ever email me, you don't need to fluff it up. You can just say, hey, girl, I need to know this. You got the answer? All right. Okay. And part of this getting things done, the second thing you can do with the task is delegate it. So sometimes I have to ask myself, I got an email earlier today. Am I the best person to do this? Do I even know what to do with this email? And and I'm, I wasn't. I needed to send it to, I actually sent it to Lane. But I will respond to the guy or to the person and tell them I'm sending it to Lane. But ask yourself that question. Don't try to like go to Lane, find out the answer, and then come back and don't be that liaison. Just give it to them. You know, just hey, this is better suited for you. You know the answer. I don't even know. Okay. And then the third way is defer it. Like if somebody asked Chris to come speak in, you know, let's say August of 2020. Well, I don't know right now. I mean, I can't even think about August of 2020 right now. So I'll respond to them and say, hey, we haven't looked at the calendar yet for 2020, but I'll get back to you soon. And then I get that out of my inbox, not by putting it in a folder because I will forget that it's in the folder, but I use Boomerang, which I know it doesn't work with Macs and different things, but I'm sure there's some kind of something that does the same thing, but it just basically sends stuff out of your email to come back in at a certain date. So I'll set it for maybe three months, and then that same email will come back in, and then I'll deal with it then. Okay, we're looking at that now. I can answer that question. Okay, got that? What time is it? I want to leave at least 20 minutes. Okay. 
I'm talking fast. <sighs> y'all good? Am I talking too fast? Are y'all getting something out of it? Okay, good. You got to say that, right? All right, let's go to communication a little bit. All right. And just thank you for what y'all do. I don't know what each of your roles are individually, but thank you for serving and loving your teams and your pastor and all that good stuff. All right, communication, emails. I'm going to start there. It's probably the most used form of communication between churches and people or whatever. And so we have a rule here at Highlands on staff. And and really, honestly, it's a personal rule too, and that's to respond to the email within 24 hours. Now, that doesn't mean it's your day off and, you know, or you have two days off. I think people are pretty gracious on the weekends or whatever. I've learned that people kind of learn my um, office habits based on my responses, you know, so nobody's ever offended, but I always respond to my emails. Like, even though we're in art conference, I will not ignore those till Thursday. I will check them every day, even if it's tonight at 10 o'clock, and at least say, I received your email. Thank you so much. We're in a conference. I'll get back to you on Thursday. It's just it's just courteous. It, it, just that little bit of response goes such a long way. And I do it with the staff, too. Just because they're staff, I don't just ignore their email. If, if somebody emails me, I'm, I'm going to respond. So 24 hours for that. And then I already told you about, like for me, I have to keep things in my inbox until it's dealt with. That doesn't mean that I don't have folders. I have tons of folders, but I don't put it there until I've done everything I need to do with it. Because once I put it there, it's gone. It's not in my brain. So I use Boomerang for that reason because I can't stand a bunch of emails in my inbox because I start at the bottom and it takes me a long time. Anyway, such as, you know, it's just the way it is for me. But if that didn't work for you, that's fine. You can leave them in your in, in whatever. And then I always copy myself on replies because sometimes I'll look at an email and I'm like, did I answer that? I mean, you can see the little thing, but what did I say? You know, so I copy myself so I know what my response is, especially if it's, you know, information that I need. I don't know. And then, um, and this is, this is going to go a little bit with the excellence thing too, but just check for mistakes, even in the subject line. I mean, I think it just, I think it, Outlook used to not underline your misspelled words in your subject line till recently because I remember I get emails all the time with the subject line, there's a mistake in it. And so say I'm going to forward it to Chris, I fix it before I forward it to Chris. I just can't do it. I can't like pass on mistakes. <laughs> I have to fix it. And so anyway, um, yeah, but I, I really try to be careful with that. So so I have this later. Anyway, one of the ways, I re- I'll just jump to this. One of the ways that I resp- uh, work with Chris is we email a lot because he's out of town a lot or we have things like this going on. And even for him, y'all, I will read that email. I mean, it's just numbered with information. I will probably read that email, you know, five or six times to make sure, one, there are no mistakes. Two, when he reads it, is he even going to understand what I'm talking about? I mean, or is he going to be like, what? You know, I never want that frustration. I always want it to be very clear, very, you know, just something. So sometimes I'll even have somebody else reading it. And I'm like, if you read, I mean, would you, do you understand this? And so just because I don't want to create any kind of extra thinking. And I know maybe that's 
a little too much, but I just feel passionate about that. You know, I don't I don't want to be the person to create more th- thought process. Okay, so I check it. I'm real, you know, don't make make sure it's not sloppy. And one of the reasons is, is I never want him to get something and think, well, God, if she's sending me this, then what what is so you know, so and so getting? You know, what's you know, I never want that to happen either. Okay. Um, and then I know a lot of people, this is just a little tip you can use. Like I did it yesterday. I was crafting an email, I think, to the staff just with some encouragement about what we can do to serve you all. And um, and I, <laughs> I wrote a sentence and I was like, okay, is there a comma before that and after that? You know, I was just like wrestling with it. So you can throw it into like Grammarly or something and you can even attach it to your Outlook and your Word. Y'all probably know all that, but and it'll tell you, hey, that's the wrong grammar. And so it was right, by the way. High five anyway. <laughs> but I always want to check in. Do y'all ever have that like take and bring thing? I'm always like, is it take or bring? Okay, well, you take to, break, take from, bring to. I mean, I'm like constantly checking that stuff. I know, I'm a little OCD. Okay, it's all right. And so, and then also craft your emails carefully. Sometimes I have to read mine out loud or wait 24 hours to send it just because I can feel my tone is not probably where it should be. Maybe somebody's frustrated me. Maybe somebody's been critical and I want to just fire off something, you know, whatever. And I just, Carol, just sit on it. Do not send that email. And if you still want to send it 24 hours later, have at it. But usually I don't. Usually I have to rewrite it and make it sound a little, yeah. So be careful with that too, because we are a representative of many things, the Lord and our pastors and whatever. Same thing on phone calls, respond within 24 hours, which is very hard for me because I don't like to get on a phone call. I know, I know I'm the only one that does this, but like I never answer, I never answer my phone. Not my cell phone, I'm talking about my office phone. I let it go to voicemail because I found so many times I'll pick it up and then you're like, man, I'm in this now, you know, and it's not even for me, and I've got to listen to this, you know, information that's not even for me, you know, whatever. And so I let everything roll to voicemail, and then I do check my voicemails every day and respond every day, but, um, which is hard for me, because, I mean, sometimes you just don't know what you're walking into, you know, you're just like, hey, like I get these voicemail messages, hey, this is, you know, Sue, uh, um, can you just call me back when you get a minute? And I'm like, what do you want? I don't want to call you back, you know? But anyway, you have to, so. Oh, no. And then deliver the nose with grace. I know I get that question probably more than any other question um, from assistance, like, how do you deal with the people that just want to meet with your pastor and there's just no way? How do you tell them no or, you know, whatever? And and I will say, even just from the beginning when Highlands was just a few hundred people, um, I've, I pretty much deal with it the same way. And and that is, um, is, first of all, I always, I try to just stop for a minute and realize that on the other end of that phone is a real person with a real problem, a real need, a real hurt, whatever it is, you know, or maybe they just want to complain. I don't know. But if I go into it knowing 
or having that heart to help. And do I get it right all the time? No, I don't. I'll admit it. Sometimes I just pick up the phone and I'm just winging it. But if I stop for a minute and I really think about that, then it changes the way you talk to that person. And so then it's just like I'm, I'm positioning myself as I'm going to help you. It may not be with Pastor Chris, but I'm going to help you. So I try to I listen for a little bit, and then I try to say, well, you know, I'm so sorry you're walking through this. They want sympathy. So sorry you're going through this. You know, we are happy, we're here for you. We're happy to help you. You know, Pastor Chris's time is so limited right now, but I really want to help you and get the, get to you as quickly as possible. Would you be willing to meet with? So you have to put it on them that they're the ones in charge. You're not telling them, no, we can't, you know, we can't do this or we can't, you know. I would love to connect you with one of our senior associates who could help you with this issue and maybe even spend more time with you than Pastor Chris would ha- would be able to. Are you is does that sound okay? Oh yeah, that sounds great. You know, they're they just want help. So that's kind of how you deliver the nose with grace. You just sympathize and then you point them in a direction to help them. All right. So that's on phone calls. And I already told you about how I um kind of handle communicating with Chris. Of course, we do have, you know, meetings um, in the office when he's in town and all of that. But one thing I do try to do is, um, well, I do, is be ready. Just I'm just ready. Like, if he's here on a Sunday and he's like, hey, you got a minute to meet? Oh, yeah, I do. You know, and but I have my list. I'm not like, hang on, let me go to my office and print this out. No, I'm ready. So I can, I mean, the time is right, you know? So, and again, everybody's, every pastor's different. They may have a weekly meeting or whatever, and that's great, but we just, it's just not possible sometimes. So that's just try to make sure I'm ready at all times after a meeting, on a Sunday, on the phone, whatever it is, to get my questions answered and help him. So, um, and then we don't text on text. I know a lot of pastors text back and forth. We don't text a lot of information. It's getting a little bit more lately. I prefer not to text just business because, it, I mean, you get 10 more texts and then it's like, where did it, you know, it's down there and then you forget about it. So I constantly am copying and pasting in my email just information that he's sending me through text so I don't forget it. So, all right. Um, and then just real quick on the last thing on communication is just, I have to really be careful of this, and that's the nonverbal communication. So I intentionally, here at Art Conference, I have to tell myself, and I know y'all probably, I don't know what y'all are going to think, but it doesn't matter. But I have to, when I walk out, I have to intentionally say, Carol, smile, don't cross your arms, be approachable, we're here to help. I have to, because my my personality is very defocused. It's like, okay, is everybody in their seats? You know, has Chris got his water? That's my personality is just to handle things. But I, mean, I really try, even on Sundays, just walk out with a smile. Don't look like you're handling business. You're in, you know, these people are here hungry and wanting to. So your nonverbal communication is huge. In fact, I did some research um, for a Highlands College class that I did. And research shows that 55% of in-person communication comes from the nonverbal cues like facial expressions, body stance, and tone of voice. That's more than half. That's a lot. So I really try to be careful with that in my tone of voice, you know, because I can, I know me. 
I can sound like, you know, I, I don't have time for this. I'll answer your question, but I'm done. You know, that's what it sounds like, you know, and that's what people take. So I really, you know, know your weaknesses and you know, be sure you self-talk yourself you know, into into smiling and doing whatever's necessary to, I don't know, have that good persona. <coughs> Last but not least, um, the excellence factor. How much time do I have? Okay, five minutes. Okay, I'm going to do five, and then I'm going to give you all 15 for Q&A. Um, everything was redue as a reflection. I've already talked about that. One thing about excellence that sometimes I don't think we think about is excellence in everything creates peace. So when you drive on the property and you see the beautiful flowers and you know, there's no trash on the ground and you walk in and there's greeters with smiles on their faces and I'm sure all you know this happens at your church too and in the children's facility you know, it's easy to check your kids in and well why do we do that we don't do that because we just want oh we want to look good no we do because it it creates peace in people's lives so they can receive whatever God has for them. If they're like worried about stuff or golly, there's like that toilet wasn't clean in the bathroom or whatever. I don't know, but just whatever it is, that's what, well, same thing in your role with your pastor. I try to be, well, and honestly, it's, it's, it was, you know, formed in me through my dad. So, and my mom, but you know, it's, it's, it's a value of mine. So when I walk in the green room, I make sure the lights are on and I make sure the, the floor is clean. And I go in Chris's bathroom and just, it's not because I'm trying to impress him or, or he's a diva or anything. It's no, it's because it creates peace. He's not thinking about anything else but his message. Like for instance, I'll give you a for instance, Ark did a little bit different thing in the green room for the conference. Well, they, they changed it on the weekend. So I knew Chris was going to walk in on Sunday morning. It was going to be different. Well, I didn't want him to be surprised because he would be thinking about, well, why is this change? Blah, 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 you know, whatever, when he's preaching in one hour. So I emailed him or texted him the night before. I said, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. When you walk in tomorrow, things are going to look a little different because our change. Well, that created peace. He didn't have to worry about that when he walked in. So just things like that. You know, I love that about excellence. It's just it's not just to be excellent, it's to have that peace with it. Um, same with your communication and, um, you know, again, the good enough feeling, you know, always make it not mediocrity, but just excellent. So, and then my final thought is <coughs> we all make mistakes. You're not expected to be perfect. You know, I'm not expected to be perfect. But when I make a mistake, the first thing I do is own it. I own it, and then I fix it. Chris never makes me feel like um, you know, he's disappointed with me when I do something that everybody makes mistakes. But if I say, well, so-and-so or my computer issue, or, no, that is that is unacceptable to, to have excuses. But I just say, you know what? I sent the wrong handout to the printer this week, but by the next service, we're going to fix it. So that's just, I just want to leave you with that final thought, you know, that you're not expected to be perfect, but just own it and fix it. All right. All right. So how about some Q&A from you all? Okay. In the back. Okay. Hang on. <coughs> They're going to make you say it again. Environment. 
environment, you can't hear me, right? Environment and how it creates peace. How do you communicate that message to other staff and congregants who think when they see, you know, you out there making adjustments or feel like you've undone something that maybe somebody else did that, you know, that, you know, that that's the reason you're doing it. I mean, you can say that, but then I'm, I'm finding that there's a, you know, criticism about being too particular or um, micromanaging um, when you're trying to communicate that down to s- several layers down. Right. Um, I mean, it's all about heart, first of all, you know. Um, so, but I would say for the staff, it's one of our value, values for the staff. So the staff, come when they come on board, they learn that right away. And then it's constantly reiterated and brought up. In fact, we celebrate those things each month in our staff meeting. The, the four values, love God, love people, pursue excellence, and choose joy. I'm like, whoo, Carol. <laughs> so pursue excellence is one of them. And so it's communicated. The heart behind it is communicated constantly because people will forget, you know, like the the why versus the how. You know, you always have to, to, the big picture is why are we doing this? Well, the why is because we want people to come in and feel peace and feel, not be distracted by things that are not done well. And so that's how, and, and so, and I don't think, you know, because it's communicated to the staff so well and, and to our dream team and all of that, you, you don't really, it's not an issue with the congregation. I mean, they just want to come to church and not be distracted and receive from God. You know, I mean, that, they might not know that's what they want, but, you know, we create such an environment, but they're not thinking about those things. So um, I think it's all just in communication and training, how you, how you do all that. Um, I have a question regarding you and your time. So you're responsible to Chris and like kind of on call for him whenever he needs you, but you also run women's, like the women's conference. Forgot to say that. So how do you balance, like maybe you're in a creative meeting with your women's conference and he texts you and he needs something. How would you balance that kind of a situation when you kind of wear two hats that are both important? I'll walk out of the meeting. (laughs) But I plan my meetings. So I was explaining this a little earlier, just the ebbs and flows and the rhythm of your pastor. So I think when you work for someone long enough and not even that long, you pay. I pay attention. I pay attention to when I know Chris is on and I pay attention to when I know he's off. Well, Monday he's off. I work on Mondays. That's when my recreate meeting is, on Mondays. So I, he's rarely doing anything but just settling his spirit on Saturday for Sunday. That's my Sabbath, Saturday, because I know he's not going to be like, you know, sending me notes. Or, that's all done on Friday, which is my day off. But um, it, it's a working day off. Is there such a thing? But anyway, um, but Saturday is really my day off. And um, so I think you pay attention. And, and, you know, with vacations and stuff like that, like I really try not to go on an unplugged vacation or time off when I know he's in the office working, you know, that kind of thing. So it will make your life easier and his life easier if you kind of flow together in those things. But yeah, I plan those things when he's not busy. But if he calls, I'm out. I'm going. Yeah. He's priority. What things do you do on Sunday to serve Pastor Chris and facilitate his ministry? Like, where do you go? Where do you hang out? And are there any tips you have in that area? Okay. Um, You know, every Sunday is different, which is, it's so funny because like, I was just thinking about this this last Sunday. There were several little things that, little fires and whatever I had to put out, you know, whatever. But nine times out of 10, 
It's very smooth, and I'm really not doing too much other than being a support. Um, so what I do on Sundays is I get here, you know, about 30 minutes before the service starts cause, because that's when we do our pre-service meeting, and I'm here for that. And really, I'm not even here to be a part of that as much as I am just to, if Chris needs something like, he prints out his notes, so if he needs paper or if he just, you know, has a stain on his shirt, I don't know, just any little thing, I'm just available, so more than anything, moral support. And then I stand um, with him on the front row. I take his seat when he goes up. We have like a little two-drawer box. I don't know. Cabinet. I guess that would be a better um, cabinet that I stand in front of during worship. And he'll lean over and tell me things if there's like, he, if there was something with the sound on Sunday. And if they don't respond, I'm running to the back of the room to, you know, just anything like that. But again, it's rare that those things happen, but I'm just there. And he'll, and so, and then go in the green room afterwards. And he's very good about getting feedback. He likes feedback after the service. So, um, I, in fact, this Sunday, I'll just tell you this little story. This past Sunday, at the end, he told a story and, and, I was texting our creative director who really has a major in to helping Chris like say, hey, that didn't connect or whatever. Well, I had given him some feedback. I was like, that story at the end just did not connect to me at the eight o'clock. Well, he must have told Chris because we were on the front row of the second service. He goes, so that story didn't connect. I'm like, I said, he goes, well, how can I make it connect? And so, I mean, but he's very good to be open. And I said, well, you know, I can't even remember, but I said, I just think you need to like, you know, cap it this way or whatever. And and he did the next service. So, it, so we'll do stuff like that. So that's the kind of thing I'm in there for and just for encouragement. And then if we have guests, we'll sometimes have lunch afterwards or, you know, um, you know, this week he was like in the third service, he said, I don't have gas in my car. Can't even get home. And I really don't want to stop because I'll get in all the Highlands traffic. So I had found somebody to go put gas in. I mean, just little things like that. But again, all those little things are rare. That doesn't happen every Sunday. Some Sundays, there's nothing. I'm just there, you know, so, okay. He's like, we got to roll. Hope that helped. So just, I guess you're, I have a really good relationship with my pastor as well. So uh, you guys obviously are extremely, we're basically brothers. So it's like, I guess, what would your biggest suggestion be as far as we've um, seen explosion in growth? So 80 to almost 1,200 now in less than four years. Awesome. So, you know, went from one to four services, you know, and it's just crazy. It's like, I guess, what would be your biggest suggestion of what I should watch out for now versus, to you know, just all the same things you're talking about. But like, what would be the biggest suggestion for that growth part? Because all the issues are now magnified. I get that. But I don't know if there's one thing you could point out that since you you were talking about growth. Yeah. Oh, the inter- yeah. The interesting thing about growth is everything grows. So like we always talk about this, you know, should we hand out ice cream sandwiches now that we're 60,000 people? Well, it's, it's the same because your finances grow, your staff grows, everything grows. So yes, because per person, it's the same as it was when we were 60. So you know, so you kind of have to think of it like that. But I feel like, you know, the best way you can prepare personally for growth is to grow yourself. So grow yourself organizationally, like organizing yourself, organizing your, you know, even um, the more peace you have in your own personal life, the better you are going to be in the office life. 
I found that, you know, and, and always, I always pay attention. Like I pay attention to how Chris is growing. Okay, well, I need to step it up in that area. You know, I mean, you know, whatever. Like the, I'll give you an example. Just the other day, you know, the publisher was just, you know, I know him so well now. Of course, I'm his sister, but I mean, sometimes I don't get it right still, and I'm a sister. But, um, but I, I could just feel he was overwhelmed. I mean, the publisher had asked him for like ten things, and I was like, so I just emailed him and I said, you know what, I got it. Don't, don't worry about the ten things. I'm going to take care of the 10 things. If I need you, I'll let you know. So just stuff like that, just sensing, knowing, you know, growing with it, figuring out different ways to do things, or maybe I never done, I've never done publishing in my life, but I had to learn how because it's happening. So just being willing to learn and grow and become who they need you to be to serve them best in that role. So... Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm curious if you have something on the list that just keeps rolling on your list and you've asked Chris, you're maybe just not getting that answer back or uh, how, how do you respond to the person who's going to you wanting the answer that you don't have? Do you go to Chris, knock on his door, bother him? Do you go to Lane? Well, um, I try to figure it out first on my own, but I mean, that does happen sometimes. And I've learned with, with Chris that if, if I'm not getting an answer because he just doesn't know, like, I mean, there's one out there right now that I'm just like, are we doing this or not? You know, and I just have to keep, I mean, they just, I just have to keep saying, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, if you need to move on and, and do a different direction, like if it's somebody outside the church, if you need to go in a different direction, let me know. And then I can press them a little bit more for it. But it, he's just not ready to make that decision right now. So I think you have to communicate with them that way. And then, you know, I just keep reminding myself to, like, I never let it leave my thought process or my inbox or whatever it is until, like, I've got a trip right now that, I mean, we had these killer rates for this airfare and it's probably gone because he just wasn't ready to make the decision. But I mean, that's okay. You know, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, but just never let it out of your mind. And then I always try to think of a different way. Maybe should I communicate this a different way? Like, should I tell him, okay, if you can let me know in the next couple of weeks, you know, give him a deadline, something like that. Because sometimes I feel like when we send them stuff, you know, it's just like in, it's just open, you know, communication. They don't know that I need to know tomorrow, you know, whatever. So maybe be more specific with that and maybe not be afraid. And 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 he would come back to me and say, well, I'm not going to know by tomorrow. Well, okay, you know, well, then let me know by next week, you know, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, just kind of maybe change your communication or try to figure it out yourself or whatever. And I'm running out of time. I've got five minutes. Okay, did that help? So uh, my pastor and his wife started our church two and a half months ago, and we launched with uh, about 650 people. And wow. so it's just the three of us. So I guess my question is, um, looking back since you started with Highlands, what is maybe the hardest lesson that you had to learn um, with growing this, the church? And also, do you have um, a piece of advice that you wish someone would have given you um, in the administration world that yeah. that you could give now? Those are always the hardest questions because I don't really— it's, it's kind of like the regret regret question when you're asked, do you regret anything? No, not really, because everything teaches you something. And so, um, <clears throat> but I mean, I too started off three people on staff and, you know, I was the, 
data girl and I was Chris's assistant and I cleaned toilets or whatever I needed to be. I was the event girl or whatever. I guess the biggest thing I would say to do is put people around you, volunteers or whatever, that can help support you in the things that you're not very good at. Like for me, I was terrible at doing events. I mean, I don't know how to put a flower in. I mean, I'm just not good at that. I can I can organize it, but I can't make it look pretty. So I found somebody, an interior designer in Birmingham that showed up to one of our events and we got to talking and she told me she did that. And I was like, hey, would you mind helping me? You know, so she would come and make it pretty and I would just show, you know, so find people to put around you to help you in your weaknesses that are real strong in those areas. That probably be the best advice. Yes, Hi, thanks so much for doing this. This is awesome. Um, so uh, as assistants and as admins, you probably, you, and also if you're very close with the pastor you're serving, you get the raw, like, yeah. critical, like, I don't know, like how to say this nice, but the immediately mean. the trash over you if something's yeah. wrong. Um, and how do you stay, like, how do you stay... I guess, pure, but also feel appreciated if, for example, you've worked on it for a long time and it's still not good. Or if you're just, for example, sitting in the Sunday service and everything's wrong, like, yeah, and you just get the first gotcha. trash. <laughs> well, first, number one, when I started, when Chris first asked me to come here, I said no, because I'm like, I'm happy in Birmingham. I mean, Baton Rouge, I'm fine. You know, and honestly, if I'm I'm really honest, it's like I didn't want to have an expectation of something and it not be fulfilled, like whether our relationship got closer or whatever. Well, I felt like God told us to come here. So we we came here and I came to Birmingham. And again, please don't take this from, oh, she thinks she's a saint. No, it's not. It's just a decision I had to make. And the decision was to not have any expectations and not to allow myself to be offended. Like whatever happened... I made that choice to not have an expectation where he walks in for the day and he's like, hey, how are you doing? Did you have a good night last night? I don't have that expectation. and I mean, I really don't. And so if he does, great. But if he doesn't, I'm not disappointed. And number two, I choose not to be offended. And I, ch- I choose to look at it as I'm privileged to be in a situation where he feels he can be himself and raw um, I'm, that's a privilege for me. And then when he does give me credits and accolades, and, and he's wonderful. I mean, there's huge respect, and, and we have a wonderful relationship. But then when he does choose to compliment me on something, it means so much more. Because it's, you know, it, I mean, like, you can look at my personal Outlook folder, Carol, my personal, and, and there's every email he's ever sent me telling me what a great job I did on this, or, you know, and it, it just means more. But I think you just have to choose it. And then if it really, and let me just take it a step further, if it really becomes a problem, then I think you have to have a conversation. And I think that's okay. You know, like I'm really trying not to get my feelings hurt about something, or but I really just want to please you, you know. And I always put those kind of conversations on me. So I say, you know, you know, I understand the weight that you have and, and, and I really want to do my best for you, so, but I'm struggling. So that's how I kind of phrase that. I'm struggling with knowing, you know, am I doing a good job or how could I do this better for you? So that's, that would be that. That's all they have, time that we it? have for group questions. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for coming.